Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome, Welcome back. back to the No Apologies podcast. Um, yeah, so today what we're going to do is we, just like last time, have chosen one film and one album, though this time we mixed it up a little bit. So we put a lot of different options into a hat or a cup, whatever we used. I wasn't there. I don't know. I used um, a straw hat. Straw hat. For visuals. Perfect. There you go. For visual effect. And we pulled two options, and those are the options that we got. And today, those two options are... Sunset Boulevard, which is the film, and then that's actually the first thing we'll review today. And then the album will come second, which is California by what's the artist? Mr. Mr. Bungle. Mr. Bungle, love that name, love that name. Mr. Bungle. I think they kind of went together as well. Mr. Sunset Bungle, Boulevard, yeah, in California. California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of yes. a theme. California. <laughs> California, yeah. Okay, so let's start with um, let's start with the film. Let's start with Sunset Boulevard. So. This was actually um, a film that I chose to throw into the batch. Um, I normally am like a huge horror fan, but kind of what led me into horror, like when I was really young, was um, film noir, which for listeners, if you're unfamiliar or maybe unfamiliar with what film noir is, it's basically just in layman's terms, a style of film that is very dramatic, slowed down, um, black and white. It was during like the golden age of Hollywood in the 1930s and the 1940s. And um, it's just an excellent category of film that I love. So um, I'm gonna open up the floor. We're gonna start at the beginning and kind of work our way through the film, but I'm gonna open up the floor for y'all's thoughts. And um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And so here we go. Okay, Bye. you go first. Oh, I thought I was watching The Twilight Zone. <laughs> when it first came up, I okay. was like, okay, this is like super Twilight Zone, especially dramatic. with the way it was narrated. Uh-huh. And he was like, uh, I'm in that pool, or he's in that pool that he always wanted, and then it goes into the flashback. I'm uh-huh. like, okay, this is definitely like Twilight Zone. Yeah. 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 It was but, very dramatic at yes. the beginning. I was and like, it's ominous. Yeah, and that's what, again, like led me to horror, basically, because this is where I like got my roots for horror, because like it's you know, got that cinematic sound and that cinematic score going on. And then you've got the black and white imagery, which for me, I don't know about the listeners or about y'all, but the reason I love and have such a deep appreciation for black and white film and TV is because it makes my mind and my imagination run wild. I'm like, I, after a while, I don't even notice it. I've, yeah. I've always enjoyed black yeah. and white. Yeah, and it's because like that, but like also... As you notice, and we'll get into this in a little bit because it doesn't come to the film right away in the beginning, but the fashion that the main character wore was just so on point. And with me, as like, you know, someone who does like fashion content as well, like I love looking at black and white imagery or black and white film at fashion and being like, I wonder what color it is. I wonder what pattern yeah. it looks like, you know? So yeah, that's that's why I love it. But anyways, yeah. So um more are your thoughts. Okay. So let's just start at the beginning. Okay, perfect. I did almost laugh okay. when they were driving up into the yard on the motorcycles because uh-huh. all the cars and all the motorcycles stopped at the door, yeah. except for one, and he just kept going onto the lawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought that was funny. Uh-huh. That was so <laughs> random, but I wrote it down as yeah. I thought it was I didn't funny. even notice that. Like, uh, good to you for, like, putting it in your notes. I love uh, how, like, old the dialogue is. Yeah. And you can tell, like, straight from the beginning, like, when he's, like, waiting for the gravy train. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> sorry, guys. We had to cut real quick. Technical problem. Not problems, yeah. but questions. They're um, not sorry about messing up my computer. Yeah, I just banged it so hard. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> but anyways, um, back to the topic of hand, Sunset Boulevard. Oh, and um, one comment on, like, the pool line, the yeah. irony behind that, and how... Which I guess we can get to it, but how he phrases the line of 
he always wanted a pool till at the end. Yeah. When I always wanted a pool. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, uh -huh. I like that. So I think it's worth noting that, like, as a film journalist who studies film very closely in film history, um, it's set up so, like, cookie cutter. And I mentioned the term cookie cutter in our previous episode, but in this case, it's not a bad thing, I don't think, because with film noir, you have three or four main elements. You have a detective, you have a femme fatale, you have a male character who's like the, you know, James Dean kind of character, very strong, masculine, good looking. And that's the basis of the film. And then also, like, we kind of get experience with this or see it later on, but, um, cigarette smoke and like the lights shining through the blinds and the patterns on the faces and everything like it's all so just so put together and I love it which normally I'm not for I'm love you know I love like the avant-garde kind of you know random stuff that gets thrown in there but this time I loved it um one comment that I mentioned off the bat about the fashion and this is also popular in film noir um the fedoras I love the fedoras <laughs> oh, yeah, on the yeah. Guys. I think it's, it's very great fitting. um but on to, like, um, when we actually get to meet um, Gloria Swanson. What did y'all think of her when y'all first, like... Norma Desmond? Yeah, Norma Desmond. Oh, that, Gloria Swanson. absolutely crazy. <laughs> the <laughs> fact, whenever when, yeah, the he monkey. drives up, the monkey scared me. Yes. I yes. did not expect it when his hand fell down and then his eyes... I was yeah, like, and they were stitched up. Yes. And I was like, I was okay. like, this is... Kind of weird. Yeah, and then they show up with a small coffin. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, this it's is It's cool. so weird that she tells... She's telling him that she wants a white coffin lined with red. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, but, but then yeah. the guy brings the coffin. Like, I don't know. Why was she describing to him what coffin she wanted when a guy was going to bring a coffin? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's well, a hole in the plot well, right that's, there. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's that. I think she's just crazy. I, I think she's... I, I don't think it's a plot hole. I think it's her just going... But also, like in circles about this. Yeah. But also, I think it's it's incredibly interesting as an audience member, as you're viewing this for the first time, because it's exactly like that. You see this woman on screen and you're like, okay, she has clearly lost it. Like there's mm -hmm. no there's there's nobody in the mall. The doors are open, but there's nobody up shopping. Do you in the think mall. she was having sex with the monkey? That's Why is that something to think about? <laughs> because because uh, apparently I read up about this movie yeah. and apparently uh, the first lady uh, Norma Reagan mm -hmm. um, asked the director what the point of the monkey was and he was like, "What do you think the point of the monkey was? Who do you think her other husbands were?" <laughs> oh my god! Because she had three other with the husband, which can't yes. the plot twist with the butler. Yes, crazy. Oh yes, and, oh and it's god. foreshadowed because he uh, he's like. And later, I'd find out much more about uh, Max the butler. That's his name, right, Max? Yes. Yeah, okay. Also, Which I loved his character. Yeah, like, on okay. back to, like, the... This is a note on, like, the set design, because that's also something that, like, I pay close attention to. Um, I love, absolutely love... I was simping over the Spanish architecture of the home and, like, yeah. how decayed and decrepit it was but then the second the front doors open it's like it's glamour and i feel as though this could be and this is me going off on a long shot but i feel as though that could be kind of a personification of her mind and oh that's works. true yeah because literally if you think about it she's this glorious character who in her mind it's still like 1920s silent film era you know, and it's prevented her from, like, kind of seeing the outside world, seeing those Well, didn't her. he compare the house to, like, 
the woman from Great Expectations or something like the old I lady. So. He I can't remember exactly what he says, yeah. but uh huh. I but, thought I thought the house was just like kind of went hand in hand with her play mm-hmm. or with her movie that she was yeah. writing because she at the end you know she has a whole scene she's like I'm in the palace yeah and she's uh-huh. walking yeah. down so that that house is her palace yeah but like also I said that something that could be fueling the fire that is her ongoing dementia because I've had many family members that had dementia and their symptoms resemble what she mm-hmm. was acting like you know yeah, yeah. like think, you think you're in a you certain think place you're in a different time. place yeah, yeah. I think what was fueling that was isolation. I think the isolation in a huge house by herself and yeah. nothing but her butler fueled it. So, like, um, yeah, I mean, that's that was my take on it. Well, like, I loved it. I want to say that this movie is super meta for its time. Yeah. Like, if you if you read into it, um, like, in the movie, Norma Desmond or Gloria Swanson mentions... That she built Paramount Paramount Studios, which mm-hmm. is true. Yeah. Like she did that in real life yeah. in the silent movie age. Mm-hmm. And also uh, the director Demille, I think that's his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when they went on set, that was an actual movie they were filming at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samson and uh, Delilah. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I thought that was super cool. And then there's also a lot more like sim- similarities. Like uh, the director Billy Wilder wanted someone else to play. Oh, what's the main character's name? The guy. The guy? Yeah, the guy. I can't think of his name. I don't know. Oh, well, he wanted someone else... I should have else, written it down. He wanted someone else to play that character's uh, part, but he was dating an older actress at the time Yeah. that was part of old Hollywood, and mm. he didn't want the film to reflect him in real life too oh, much. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like, but there are a lot of similarities between, like, just Hollywood at the time... And the director kind of just poking fun at it. And yeah. I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. I took note of, um, I think, I can't remember what portion of the film it was in. But although, like, the narration can get somewhat annoying, at least it does for me. And you just want to see what's going on on the screen and not have to focus on what he's saying. I think the narration kind of helps, especially if you're somebody who maybe has trouble following movies. Yeah, well, lines yeah. Or... to me, which is why I don't mind it, but I know, like, I've read some reviews where people say, I get that this is a film noir, but the narration drives me nuts. And I'm like, I get that. But one thing I made a comment about was there were so many different lines that he said as the narrator that had me simping. I was like, oh my God, this is great dialogue. He used a lot of, like, metaphors during the, the narrations, yeah. and I really and liked one that. Of them, yeah. one of them was, and I made this connection because uh, an artist that I listened to, she mentions this same exact line pretty much, and he's referring to Norma, and he says, um, her celluloid self. I'm like, that is such a good line, because, like, in one of the songs that I listen to pretty much every day, um, it's like my celluloid scenes are torn at the seams, you know, something like that. So yeah, I love that line. Um, but also, can we just talk about again the costume design? Like, uh, yeah. I literally yeah. made so many comments about all of her different costumes. But also, beauty regimens were fucking scary back then. Sorry, that First part. Time. I was, was terrified. Yeah, I was terrified. I'm like, oh my god, they're like electrocuting her. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> Electrolysis? Like, what is that? And yeah. the fact that she came in behind, which I know it's later in the movie and we'll get to it, but when she comes in behind him while he's reading and she's like, no, don't turn around. I'm not, I don't look yeah, like yeah. Yes. good well, for you or something. Well, that's another meta part of the, of the movie. Like, this was, this whole movie is pretty much just making fun of Hollywood at the time. 
which is I think super interesting because people didn't really do that until like 40 years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when she grabs his hair, because he's like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. When he's like going out and she's like, no, I wouldn't let you. Mm-hmm. And then she like grabs his hair. What That yes. unsettled me. <laughs> yeah. I hated that. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, whenever he, she gets him to first read the script and she's sitting in her like little desk area and stuff. I like how it's, like, she's sitting so unladylike. She, like, she has her leg up in the chair. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's very, like, laid back and casual. Yeah. But she's just, but she's this, like, mysterious, like, fancy woman. But he yeah. cares about her, or his opinion. Yeah. And, like, what he has to say and what others yeah. think of her. But here's and the thing. the thing I want to say, Zodiac signs and how they mentioned astrology so much is, like, I had never seen that in those types of, like, that time period. I, that, so that I thought that was me, really cool. That allows me to segue into what I was going to say, which is Norma's into spiritual stuff, yeah. which I am too. So it's like, oh my God, the fact that this was being mentioned in films in the mm-hmm. freaking 50s and 40s, you know, it's crazy. And then also another thing I mentioned was um, there was a part, I think, where they're driving to the studio and she had to get all gussied up, of course, and she had on like this gorgeous, like it wasn't a hat, but it was like... um. Yeah, it was. It was like a pillbox hat. The girl, the hats that females used to wear, like, back in the 60s or whatever. And it had, like, the netting, the veil mm-hmm. over it. Loved mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, they're driving, and the driver looks in the mirror, and he makes a comment about her eye yeah, shadow. Yeah, she was like, it looks uneven. I was like, oh, my God. She was like, thank you, Max. Yes, I was like, I love him. Like, the fact that he's a male in, yeah. like, a 1950s movie saying, oh, your eye shadow's unblended. Um, I found it really? kind of endearing, like, how, like, before we knew that he was a husband, Yeah. I really thought, I was like, oh, he cares about her. Like, he does this for a reason. Like, yeah. he likes her. But once it was revealed, I was like, oh, I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense now. But yeah. he was still caught up on, like, I made her, like, who she is. Mm-hmm. So I have yeah. to protect her yep. and yeah. keep her who because she is. Because he kept playing the game. Yeah. He didn't want to it, Even at the end. He, in real life, though, that actor was a silent movie director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was super... Super interesting. I was yeah. like, dang, they just pulled everyone for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, at the end when he... It's like she finally gets to step back into that role, mm-hmm. you know, even though she's crazy. Yeah. But he does, too, because he's at the bottom yeah, and he's, he's, like, action. Yeah, he's playing into it, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Even though he's... Because he, he looks at the police and he's like, you know, this is going to get her downstairs. Yeah. But he... It's like he was living it just as much but as she see, was. But see, it's so... Like, and the reason why I love this so much, especially the ending, first of all, like, at least within the gay community, among, like, you know older generations of gay men that line all right mr demille i'm ready for my close-up and then the camera zooms in and fades out that is so popular among the older gays and i love it so much because i'm like one of the very few who's like on fire for that scene you know because it's just so iconic but it's so i cry every time at the end i really do i cried when i watched it when i was writing my notes because you have to think what happened after the final shot. She probably yeah. got thrown into the back of a van. And you know yeah. the dialogue that the narrator. Now that we know, you know that it's him, which I find it. I really like how it's yeah. him narrating, yeah. even though he dies. Uh-huh. Um, he still mentions he's like, and what will happen to her? Yeah. Even if she gets let loose, she's still seen as this crazy person or whatever. And I find that interesting that even though he was, like, walking out on her, like, he clearly still cared about her. Yeah. yeah. With that line. I was like, oh, that's well, very interesting. I want to say that the girl he brought there, I, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Because, like, I was sitting there, I was just wondering why would he bring her there and do all this if he, he really leave. liked her. Yeah. Use her and, as an And all this. And then I was like, oh, he's just doing this to show what Hollywood does to people. Yeah. It makes them crazy. Yeah. It, you know, it makes them, like 
want this fame, want this success, and he's he's showing it to her in this really like poor way, albeit. But he's like, you don't want this. He's like, you don't want this with yeah. your life. And you should want less. Yeah, and, and see, that's why I think like yes, this film may not be everyone's cup of tea, but if you're like us, us three and people that are in our department then you are familiar with like you know what the media and what like you were saying hollywood can do to people and i think that's what makes this film so special is because it was made you know in a time when topics like that weren't even being talked about or discussed but yet nowadays especially in the Mm -hmm. previous decade you see like anna nicole smith amy winehouse all of these big name popular females in particular who were completely destroyed by fame. yeah like I just want to throw out this one part that I another part of the movie I loved is when they're dancing and having the party mm-hmm. and it was just them two mm-hmm. and like they had that whole like band playing but then this piano came in and the piano was like out of tune and I was like okay this is just showing how crazy Norma is you know mm-hmm. this music is playing into the theme yeah. of yeah. this lady has lost her mind yeah mm-hmm. yeah and there was like one quote and I think I thought I wrote it down I can't find it but it was about like Like, so many people, like, it, like I think it was, like, the director, DeMille, or whatever, he was talking about how, like, she was still a 17-year-old girl, kind of in his mind. Yeah. She was this, like, perfect actress, and how, like, directors or, like, managers and people putting pressure on you can, like, break a person's yes. soul. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And, like, that's so, like, I don't even know, like, I don't have words. Like, when I found out that that's kind of what the underlying theme was about how, like, people in Hollywood agents that have these big-ass mm-hmm. contracts and everything... Yeah. How they can basically just rip apart people because you have to think. Yeah. You have to think like when someone hands you, say you're a celebrity, actress, whatever, someone hands you this big ass like digital, you know, 300 page contract, you're not going to read that. God yeah. only knows. Like you could be selling your soul. I think honestly, if someone were to come and do a prequel to Sunset Boulevard, I think that's where it would start. It would start mm-hmm. with her being handed a contract by a man who wanted to take advantage of her and it just it leads up to Sunset yeah. Boulevard, you know? Because he said, like, the other guy was like, I heard she was terrible to work with, and he was, like, only towards the end. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. But also, like, one final comment about um, the dialogue. I just have such a deep appreciation for how, like, sensitive the men's dialogue in particular was during this era, because it was like, if you watch a lot of films from this era, you will notice that, like, how females speak, like their dialect, it's all like the same. And it was because they were taught to, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Talk on screen a certain way or on camera. It's the same way with the men, but the, the reason why I tend to appreciate the men's dialogue more, I mean, the women's are great, but I love the men's because oftentimes, even now, like men, when they're born or whatever, they're taught from a young age, you can't be sensitive. You can't be open-minded. You can't be a free thinker. Yeah. But when I listen to this dialogue, especially if I read it, like, written out on a page, it's like, oh, my God. They're expressing their emotions openly. Yeah. It's and so I like the parallels of, like, how he was clearly being taken advantage of and getting kind of bribed and stuff. Yeah, yes. And then, which I thought he was kind of doing that with the Schaefer girl, the reader. Yeah. And But he was kind of very, like, he had a lot of self-control. Like, he... Uh-huh asked her how old she was and I thought it was kind of going to go weird. Yeah. But he was like, if we're going to finish this, you know, like, mm-hmm. are come he, close and, to me. But also they were about to kiss and he was like, next time we get that close, take your shoe off and slap me yeah. with it. Yeah. Like, it was like, very <laughs> much like, 
not in a male perspective that you would think yeah. movies mm-hmm. at that time would be. Yeah. And love, it was showing him the main being weak. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I don't know, he's he was my favorite part. Him, the, the girl, and then Norma Desmond were like my favorite parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Norma was just crazy. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the times I, I was just like, why would people act like this? I was like, why would he stay there? You know, like, yeah. yes. all But this. he was getting money and he needed money. Yeah. And he probably didn't think it was going to be such a long-term thing because no. he woke up the next morning and then all of his belongings uh, yeah, were there. Were there. Uh-huh. And, yeah, we're there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's when I would leave, though. Yeah. <laughs> I would when, be like, nope, I'm I would, done. I would get out of Dodge. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, the Charlie Chaplin scene when she oh, yes. up oh, and oh she's my God, dancing yes. for him. That, I was that was so funny. Oh my god. Oh yeah. my god. And then I, the butler comes in and she's like, I told you not to interrupt me. Whatever. I was like, what is she trying to do here? Oh my god. She's, she's just, trying to be a comedian. Yeah. I absolutely yes. love her. But, anyways, um, if y'all don't have anything else to say, that's all my notes. I. The vi- I liked a lot of the visual cues. Yeah. Like, the the constant references once she mentioned the doorknobs being missing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I knew when they zoomed in on the doorknob the first time mm-hmm. that when she got upset after the party, she yeah. was going to hurt herself. I, I was, was like, about here to it comes. Say, yes. yeah, and she hurts herself. She and hurts then, herself, like, yeah. To make him stay, though. Yeah. And, 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 and he comes back because he cares. Yeah. That's how you know that she truly is demented. When yeah. You, when she does something. And then she's like, I'll do it again. Like, yes. whatever. She's manipulating him. And that's that's where what I, I thought. Would leave. The whole time, I was like, she is so manipulative. Yeah, she's yeah. manipulating. And you know something? I honestly think... It's a popular strategy among directors and like screenwriters. They will paint females out to be manipulative because they're using their femininity. And honestly, I ain't mad at it. I love when a female in particular is like using her feminine ways and using her femininity to like lure men in and keep them there. Now, harming yourself to keep them there, that's a different story. But yeah, anyway, this was you get like, what I'm, I'm literally going to go insane without you. Yes. And mm-hmm. it was also mm-hmm. like anytime. It would zoom in on the doorknob. Like, I think it was after she came in and she was like, you know, I'm not going to let you do no. anything. And then yeah. she went back into her room and you saw the light go off through the doorknobs. Things like that. Like, I really liked that part. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was really interesting. Um, All right. Well, we... speaking of demented California stuff, we can talk about the Mr. demented Beagle. California. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Bungle. Right, Caroline. All right, so we are moving on from Sunset Boulevard to an album by the name of California, sticking to the California West Coast theme. Um, So let's start out at the beginning with the opening track. Sweet Charity. Should I give a a disclaimer, though? No. No, why would you do that? It's all over the place, but whatever. If I think if you get overstimulated easily... Maybe. Okay. Maybe that's that's fair. fair. There's I a guess. lot of sound effects. Yeah. Well, I loved Sweet Charity. I thought it was really cool. It, mi- yeah. it mixes, like, wine music and, like, 50s music. Mm-hmm. And I love, like, all the chimes and bells and whatnot. Yeah, I loved Sweet Charity. Like, especially <clears throat> when I saw the name, I was like, okay, Sweet Charity reminds me of a Broadway musical by the same name. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was a song in there called Big Spender that was kind of like like a swing, kind of somewhat sultry. And I'm not going to lie, this opening track really gave me those same vibes. One note that I wrote was, I love the percussion in it. The percussion yeah. instruments, yeah. they're I th- fabulous. I think my like biggest gripe with the album, though, like with the uh, latter part of the album is actually pretty okay about it with the first half. I feel like the mixing for the vocals, it's just all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes I can't hear it enough, 
And then mm-hmm. other times, like, I get they're trying to go for cool effects. Like, it's yeah. on the left side, and then it's on the right, and then it's on both. That's what I but, noticed. And I like that. I like stuff like that, but at times the music is just too overpowering, and I can't yeah. hear him singing. Yeah. Sometimes I didn't know what he was saying. I yeah. had to look at the lyrics. And, yeah. yeah, same. Yeah. Um, I did... I Okay, so when I first listened to this song, I was like, this sounds like a TV show, like, montage. Yeah. <laughs> like, just... Yeah. I don't. It was very like all over the place, like yeah. you said, kind of like a beach. Yeah, bond beach thing. Yeah. Well, the whole album is pretty fifties. Yeah, like they're incorporating like, There's, like the, a lot of jazz, yeah. a lot of big band stuff. Yeah, like the next song, none of them knew they were robots. They have this like miserly guitar solo on it and whatnot. Yeah, and a theremin is in there, and you're just like, okay, they're just throwing whatever they want. And I read about the album, and apparently a lot of them just like made the parts separately and then came together and put it together instead of that's working what together. Sa- that's yeah. what I was going to say. It sounds like a guy just like made like a whole album and then chopped each song yeah. up and yeah. put it together again. Yeah. <laughs> and every time I looked at the credits for the song lyrics and stuff, it was written by a different person. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe that's literally what they did. It, yeah. yeah, they yeah they said they just came up with different parts and then came together and they were like, these kind of go together. And they just kept going yes. from there. And when I was reading, the the artists were just like, this is probably one of the hardest albums we've ever made in our lives. <laughs> like, yeah. But, but I mean, it's a great way to like, grab the attention at the start of an album because i mean this in the best way possible but it's a garbage can song and what i mean by that is is not anything negative i don't mean the content of the song i mean how many different elements there are in it i mean literally my brain was like i think a better term is a crock pot pot. there we go (laughs) a mixing pot yeah but yeah i would say like i did think that none of them I knew that they were robots. I thought it sounded like a Halloween song. Yes. yes. I, I thought that for oh a couple. Oh my god, yes. Like, uh, and there's so much like syncopation too that I liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing was like really together. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. And then like, here's what I wrote down. Um, so this album obviously does not have transitions. Um, it gets done with one song and then goes right into the next yeah. one. But the second, the transition, if you will, from the first song to the second song, total vibe change, um, I think. Um, however, on the second song, I said it has like a Benny Goodman sing, sing, sing kind of vibe yeah. to it. Yeah. And I love the strings. Um, and again, like I have like this written three times in my notes for every song. Obsessed with the sound effects. I love. There's a lot of bubbles nature. popping. Yeah. yeah. And then, like that. and then there's like, that white noise too. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was a song that like scratched that like weird part of my brain. But you want to know something else that really just as soon as I heard it, I was like simping super hard. Um... As a horror lover, I love like the Latin whispers. I think it I is was about so to say though eerie. that whispering made me uncomfortable. Oh, I love it! I and love I th- it because I think I had earphones in. Yeah, it was too close to my face. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. I did not like that part at all. Sensory. Well, I understood it, yeah. but it was like. What do you guys think of a uh, retro Vertigo? I thought it sounded I really like a liked David the lyrics. Song. Yeah, mm-hmm. it like it started off like like space oddity. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the, the whole zapping. thing was like very space, especially towards the end of the album. Yeah, so yeah, very I have, space. I have like the zapping laser slash slide whistle sound effects are yeah. a good element that grabs also, my attention. Also, the percussion in this, I noticed he was beatboxing. Yes. yes. It was not real instruments. I was like, wait a minute, is this his voice? And then I couldn't unhear it and I was yes. kind of annoyed by it, but. Yeah. Yes, I love the beatboxing though. And, but like I said, with the Billie Eilish album, like she had white noise on that album uh-huh. and it's just now getting popular yeah. but these guys were doing it in 1999 yeah. yeah and people have been doing it forever and 
Oh, I think another really cool thing about this is that it was produced by uh, Warner Bros. Really? Like, that's a major label yeah. company, and this is just some random obscure band no one talks about. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I want to talk about two songs in particular that, like, stood out to me. Not necessarily because I liked or disliked them, just mm-hmm. because out of all the songs, I thought they were the most unique. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be Pink Cigarette and yeah. Air Conditioned Nightmare. I love those two just simply because Air Conditioned Nightmare... Um, has an instrument choice on it that's not popular with the other ones, and that's the accordion. I loved the accordion. Yeah. Um, however, I don't like how the lyrics are delivered on that song. I couldn't understand a word of it. I had to look yeah. it up. Um, Which and then, one was the one that was like, it kind of sounded like a polka song, like a bar mitzvah. That, it's the accordion. Yeah. 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 But it, it also has that Spanish vibe, too. Yeah, yeah there like, was like Italian, like weird guitar yeah, and, going on, too. And yeah. then it has the surf rock, like, drum beat yeah. going on in the background, and you're just like, okay. But see, and it pick, has... I'm like, pick a genre. Here's the thing. But the melodies are there. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think in terms of not necessarily the lyrics, but you could technically put the lyrics under what I'm about to say because they are very, very out there. Mm-hmm. But everything about this album to me like feels like just an acid trip, and I freaking Sorry. love it. That's what. I, yeah. 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 It sounds like because, you're just on drugs. It's just because like literally you're sitting there, and as like you know, as entertainment journalists especially, like you're sitting there trying to process it, and you can't it because there's so much. There's so much going <laughs> yeah. on. There is a lyric, and I don't know if it's with the song. I guess I didn't I write it down. Ly- I thought the lyrics kind of had some themes. So. They, they did. did. Yeah. And they it, did. it was a lot about, like, future and, like, yeah. But also being, technology or type. not being happy with society. Like, yeah. air conditioning nightmare is, like, uh, we live in this AC, but I like being out in the sand, and yeah. I like feeling the heat on my body and yeah. stuff like and that. And then there was... There's, I, go you go ahead. first. Oh, okay. Um, so going back to like Pink Cigarette, um, I said that it like the song itself paints a rare aesthetic that like I didn't even know I had. And mm-hmm. that was like a person who coming from someone who has suffered heartbreak, a person who like is so drawn to someone, not necessarily in love, but drawn to a person and mm-hmm. they just will not give that back to you in yeah. return. Because yeah. like one one thing I think he says in that song in particular, um, actually reminds me of a lyric from Phantom of the Opera from Music of the Night. And he says, hush me, touch me. That sounds exactly yeah. like Phantom of the Opera and some Music of the Night, so I thought that was interesting. Um, another one that I love, another lyric that I love that stood out to me was, your kiss goes everywhere touching everything but me. Yeah. That mm, hit me like a yeah. freaking brick. I was like, wow. Yeah. What were you going to say? There was one, it was like, rot your brain like a catchy tune. You you will hate life for more than life hates you. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> come for me. But also, <laughs> like the final lyrics of Pink Cigarette, and this is the last thing I'll talk about with Pink Cigarette, um, the last final lyrics and just orchestration in general really hit home with me. It's a suicide note. Yeah. It's, it really is. And then at the very end, all you hear is the flat line. Well, I love oh, that. Yeah. Before you hear that, and he's like, it's like, uh, I'm writing you a letter five hours until, you know, uh, you won't find me anymore. Yeah. And but there's like howling in the background. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was a super cool effect. And another lyric about Pink Cigarette that I really love is uh uh the ashtray lyric. He's like, You can't use me as an ashtray, ashtray anymore. Yeah. I yeah. won't like let you hurt me. I thought that was super cool. And then I also just love that it was like fifties, like six eight slow yeah. dance, and then uh-huh. there's Eastern stuff thrown yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. And then also, uh moving on I loved the Holy Filament. That was also one of my we favorites. skipped Gollum too. That was like a very eighties video game. Yes, 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 it yeah. was. I like Gollum. It was too. so like a video game. I was like, okay, mm. this is fun. Okay, Holy Filament. I wrote down it's four minutes of weird breathing. 
And minimal lyrics. <laughs> yes. 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 But it's more about the aesthetic, I feel like. And it's super, like, suspenseful, especially yeah. with uh, the piano. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, like, in terms of the easiest one to listen to without any complications for me was Vanity Fair. Yeah. That was my favorite yeah, one. Yeah, I though. think it was, yeah. It, it, was a, it was a, you know, 50s doo-wop 60, in, like, 6-8, and... I love the bass line that's just going on. And then his vocals have that nice, like, growl at the end when mm-hmm. he's almost yelling, but he's not. I was about to say, yeah, because I wrote basically that exact same note about Goodbye Sober. Because in Goodbye Sober, there's a part, and literally I couldn't even tell what it said. And I still can't remember it when I was yeah. looking at the lyrics. But basically I wrote down on my notes, yakety yak yak, because that's all I could This is hear. what I said. Yeah. I said, yeah, because you can only listen to this when you're not sober. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I thought, good, I thought Goodbye Sober, like, when it started playing, like, thrash metal, yeah. I was just like, okay, yeah. that's a thing. That, that was, like, the only thing, and this album was labeled heavy rock yeah. or hard rock, and I'm like, this is the only it's, thing it's that maybe... It's more, like, art rock. And yeah, like, I'm yeah. like, why isn't it labeled Experimental that? Experimental pop. But also, that. like, I love that they chose uh, to end with Goodbye Sober, because obviously goodbye meaning you're about to finish the album but also the final set of lyrics that i looked up for the goodbye sober song Mm -hmm. goodbye track um they just they were so good like one of them is may your sun be blown out like a candle and may your sea burn like tar that's just stellar writing i wrote down years grew grew wings and flew away the ghosts of the past turn into barbarians of the future yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i thought i thought yeah the lyrics are good even if it was just like little snippets yeah yeah Yeah. but also like it's worth noting i don't know roy i'm probably fairly certain you've heard some of his songs andre youtube but like this whole album and its style or whatever, very reminiscent to me of 90s Rob Zombie. Like, yeah, I don't know why. Bit. Just because I guess when you look at Rob Zombie's lyrics, they're so abstract. You're yeah. like, what the hell does this mean? And I felt this way when I was looking at the lyrics for this album. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the instrumentation and orchestration is also very similar. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, um, I liked what one of uh, the members of the band said about the album. Like, the drummer, he was like, California is this very deceptive place. It's bright on the outside and really in a really dark place on the inside. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's what they were going for. Because the music is kind of bright and the lyrics are kind of like dismal. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. yeah. Dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then at times, though, like they just throw in dark music, though. And yeah. it's like super angry, like when that whole like thrashy section came in mm-hmm. and whatnot. But yeah. And then apparently, uh, <laughs> uh, Avenged Sevenfold covered uh, Retro Vertigo. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Well, that's like apparently Scott Ian from Anthrax oh. is in the band. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh. I don't know. I looked it up. I think he was in the band. Kind of. I saw a lot of pictures with him together. I'm yeah. like, this is kind of weird. Yeah. They apparently just made an album for the first time since this one. Mm-hmm. And it came out last year. Maybe... But, um... We look into it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I like used to listen to a lot of Avenged Sevenfold my freshman year of college, but I still kind of break their albums out from time to time. They're yeah. not my go-to, but if they did a cover of the one you just said, because that was actually one of my favorites on the album, yeah. I would love to hear it. Honestly. It's just, yeah, it sounds like Avenged Sevenfold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's one, I think it might have been the Holy Filament, actually, that I, I wrote down that it made me feel like on that Spongebob episode when Squidward is like in that weird dimension and the square yes. is in the future yeah, yeah. <laughs> that future sure yeah. yeah um but I said like by the end of it how my brain felt is like how it sounded because it yeah. was like very distorted at the end and like yeah. kind of got crazy I was like my, my brain just felt fried at the end literally I think 
if someone were to, it's already been done. It was done many years ago. But if someone were to do a modern remake of Poltergeist, I would think a song from this album would go really well. Kind of, yeah. because it takes place in California, in the valley, you know, so like kind of distorted, static, like, you know, that crazy abstract yeah. song. Yeah. That's yeah. Just I'm surprised when you made. guys talk about, uh, I hope I'm not uh, butchering this, but uh, ours, Morin- Morindi. Is that super That's Eastern Italian. song? Wait. Wait, with Spanish? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like super like punk and whatnot. And when I was listening to it, I was like, man, this sounds like Pay the Man by The Offspring, which yeah. is like this eight minute long uh, punk rock song that like... Ours Miranda. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, goes into um, like this huge... It has a sitar and it's so Eastern and then it's just punk. And I'm like, okay, this mm-hmm. sounds a lot like that. Yeah. But, which I love it because you know Metallica did that with wherever I may roam. They started yeah. out with the desert kind of like eastern whatever yeah. it's called, mm-hmm. and then like it goes into the da 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 da, and then it goes into the hard stuff. I love it when they do that. Yeah. And this band kind of did that. Also, it's worth noting that like when I first pulled up this uh, band on Spotify, their like artwork and their imagery so was, good. Yeah, it was kind of yeah. weird. I love it. It's trippy. It's weird, and that's like right up my alley. No, oh. like this right here. So like, Wasn't if you pull it up on Spotify, I saw one that was like a clown face or yeah. something. This one, I love. Yeah. Oh, that's their newest. I one. love that. I freaking love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I I admire it. For, like, there's parts of it obviously that like I can't really listen to for yeah. very long. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I I do admire them for kind of mixing so many I'm genres sure like, and yeah i just love that it keeps going back to the 50s yeah. yeah and it's just like almost every album like or almost every song like they have all these weird random themes you want to think of and then out of nowhere is like just some 50s melody and you're yeah. like okay this makes sense yeah <laughs> it's literally that's why i say it, the whole album and each track is like a trip because literally like when <laughs> when you're tripping, you gotta go with it. Like you can't question yeah. anything. Yeah. It's the same way with the album. You, you know? like any that every song was like so like different, and you really didn't know where it was gonna yeah. go. Yes. Even if the beginning sounded like something, mm-hmm. there's gonna be five other different genres. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Where I would love to hear an album performed like this live, and that is Burning Man or Coachella. <laughs> Absolutely. I can well, see it happen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's a bad album. No, it's okay. just got a lot of sound effects. I'd give it like a nine. <laughs> I'm like, I'll give it like a six and a half or seven. I'm, if I'm I was gonna rate it, it, I'm giving it eight and a half. That's what I'm putting mine at. Eight and a half. Fair. Yeah. Out of ten. Yeah. But oh my gosh, we gotta rate sunset. We forgot to rate sunset. What would y'all give it out of ten stars? Like eight point five. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I'll do an 8.5. 8.5. Yeah. It was good. I would yeah. watch it again. I watched it twice, it, I'd watch it I'm again. I'm going to go up yeah. half a point higher and say 9, just because mm-hmm. like it is kind of what introduced me to film. So, yeah. Like, yeah. But no, I think our choices that we picked randomly were very good to see. Yeah, yeah. and the, the, I liked how they <laughs> The themes were yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for tuning <laughs> in. We record, thanks for watching. We yeah. record every Saturday, we and you. we have it out within the next <laughs> couple of days. So, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> our loyal um, fans. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I love you guys, but not them. Trust me. <laughs> eventually, we will be able to list our handles and stuff, so you can find us, like where you can find no. us and everything. No. Oh, don't find me. Uh, well, you they don't want to be found, but you can find me because I do publish content about what we talk about on the podcast. So um. there you go. Um, but yeah, so yeah, thanks yeah, for tuning see in. See you guys next week. See you next love week. You um, yeah, peace, peace out, rock and roll. <laughs>